If you're new to Chi Alpha, thanks so much for coming. We love worshiping the Lord together every Thursday night. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, if you're new here, we, we've been uh, going over a kind of a sermon series, if you will, a topic series called Trials and Trails. Have you guys been enjoying it? Has it been okay? Like four of you have been like, yeah, okay. Uh, but anyways, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how to kind of get on God's trail for our life, how to fix our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes fixed on him. We talked about uh, the importance of our daily time with God, that that we need to obviously worship the Lord, pray, and, and spend time in God's word if we're going to continue to serve him with everything that we have. Last week, we talked about not God's path, but, but the devil's path for your life. And we talked about temptation. We talked about how just as much as God has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, the devil has a plan to destroy you, right? And this week, what I want us to dive into is the middle ground, right? Because how many people know there's gray areas in life? You know what I'm talking about? Right? There's like everything that is good and pleasing and perfect, the will of God, right? And then there's over here is, is sin and, and the devil's plan for your life. And somewhere in the middle are the things in life that stink but aren't necessarily sin. You know what I'm talking about? The challenges of life, the trials of life, the things that are hard, the things that are difficult, the things that weigh us down, the things that burden us, that we wonder, why in the world am I having to deal with this today? And that's what I want us to focus on tonight, is how do we handle those things? Because we all go through trials, right? People in our lives get sick, people die, people let us down, people break our hearts, there's plans that we have get crushed, right? Dreams that we have die. Rejection becomes real. Like, let's just be real tonight, right? Life is not all puppy dogs and candy canes. There are things that are difficult. Life becomes challenging. Things get tough. What once seems easy all of a sudden starts to become hard. Open doors all of a sudden that you thought were wide open all of a sudden get slammed shut in your face. And battles seem uphill. How many people know what I'm talking about? They've experienced something like this in your life, okay? There's like 12 of you in here that experience, all of you, all the rest of you either have lived perfect lives or you are liars, all right? And I got news for you. If you've never walked through a trial, I guarantee that between now and the time that you die, you will walk through a trial. And so for those of you who are facing a trial right now, I believe that God is going to bless you tonight. He's going to speak truth over your life. He's going to give you hope. And for those of you who believe that ju maybe, just maybe, life might throw a trial at you, take some notes tonight. Because this is good equipment and tools for how to face your future. There are two types of obstacles and trials in our lives. There are the unavoidable trials, and there are the avoidable trials. The unavoidable trials are when a loved one gets cancer. The unavoidable trials are when a family member dies. The unavoidable trials is when all of a sudden you, you end up walking through depression and you have no idea where it came from. Those are the unavoidable trials. I believe that God has a plan to give you hope in those. And then there's what I call avoidable trials. There's trials that God, there's things that God has called us to that are not easy. And we can very easily avoid those things. You know what I'm talking about? 
the tough things that God says, hey, I have a plan for you and I have, I have a purpose for you, but guess what? There's going to be challenges along the way and if you push through, I will be glorified. That's what God says. But the problem is, is that we need to be able to push through. So whether we are facing an unavoidable trial or a trial that we, we can avoid and we're tempted to avoid, we need to be able to know how to face the trials in life. Because I'll tell you this, that God is bigger than every single circumstance or challenge that you will ever face. And I will also tell you this, anything worth doing for God is going to involve walking uphill. It is going to involve, like that song, right? It's always going to be an uphill. No, we're not going to go there, okay? (laughs) Well, that ministers to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Things worth doing are going to be uphill. And if we are not equipped to be able to handle trials, when a storm comes, we are going to crash. We are going to fall. We are going to falter. The devil's going to win. And if we are not equipped to handle trials, as soon as the going gets tough, we will never get going. We will run away, we will be scared, and we'll never do anything brave and courageous for God. I want you, I want us as a body of believers in Chi Alpha to be people who can weather storms well and who can take challenges face on for God's kingdom. How many people are with me? All right, good, good, good. All right, so how do we do this? Well, Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. We're going to do a lot of comparing of trials to fire tonight. Trials and fire, if we compare trials to fire, we know that fire is hot, it is consuming, and it is scary, but it doesn't need to be. In fact, there are three dudes in the Bible who if we want, if we want to trial-proof our walks with Jesus, there are three dudes in the Bible who can teach us a lot about trial-proofing our walks with Jesus. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I would not suggest those names for your future children. Uh, they might get beat up in school. But, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we meet them in the book of Daniel. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Daniel. It's about smack dab halfway through your Bible. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. And uh, this, is, this happened a, a long time ago, and, and there was this, uh, the, in Israel, there was this nasty dude the, named Nebuchadnezzar who overtook Israel and then kind of subjected Israel to kind of follow his ways and follow his rule. And there was three dudes who were, they were Jewish guys, and they followed God. And, and these three guys, their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Actually, that's not their original name. That's the name that Nebuchadnezzar gave them. But these guys loved God, and they wanted to serve God wholeheartedly. But there was a problem. Nebuchadnezzar was a bad dude. He was a corrupt dude. He was a nasty dude. And so one day he decided to make this law. And in this law, he built this giant statue, and essentially it was a statue of himself, and it's, he was making everyone bow down to this statue. And so they would, they would play this music in the city. And every single time they played the music, everyone in the entire city was required to stop what they were doing and bow down and worship the statue. Which if you read the Word of God, if you read the Bible, you know that this is actually completely contradictory 
to what God has commanded us to do. God says that you shall not worship any other gods except for me. And so these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were faced with a choice. This is what we would call an avoidable trial, right? They could have just said, I'll just bow down and go with the flow, right? But instead they said, no, I am more concerned about what it is that God has for me and the, the commands, I am more concerned about following God than I am following some man here on earth. And so they decided to stay true to the commands in the Bible, in, in God's word. And when this, when news got around, they actually got tattled on. Some of their like buddies that probably didn't like him very much ran over to Nebuchadnezzar and said, Nebuchadnezzar, you never guess what happened. You know those dudes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah, when the, when the music played, they did not bow down. They, they did not follow the law. And so here's where we pick up in verse 13, uh, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 13 of Daniel. It says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men brought, these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I think he really likes saying these names. Okay, you're going to notice this. Uh, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all the kinds of music... If you are not ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Or if you are ready to fall, fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we were thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And we will rescue and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if he does not, O king. I I love that line. Okay, moving on. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why can't they just say those guys, all right? But they, they, I can't, yeah, the guy who is writing this out, just whatever, okay. And throw, threw them into the, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes and trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot. Now listen to this. That the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So the guys who threw the dudes in were consumed by the fiery furnace. That's how hot this thing was. Talk about backdraft, all right? Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, okay. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like to be the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the burning furnace. His eyebrows were singed and he shouted. That, that doesn't say that, I added that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. 
And everyone that was there, they saw that, that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor had the hair on their heads been singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Isn't that cool? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God except their own God. Therefore, I decree... And Nebuchadnezzar was kind of like, man, he was like the biggest flip-flopper in the history of politics. Therefore, I decree that the people of the, any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, and their houses be burned into piles of rubble. Wow, that was a total shift. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Okay, this is a pretty cool story. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, oh, cool, sorry. No, this actually happened, people. If we believe the Bible to be true, we must trust that this story actually happened. I, I can't wait to get to heaven and hit the replay button on this one. This is going to be fun to see. How did they do this? How did they walk through this incredible challenge, this incredible trial, this incredible fire, and come out unsinged, unscathed, and completely unfearful. Well, I think that uh, we can learn some things from them. And tonight I want to give you guys three questions that we must ask ourselves in order to make sure that our heart is in the right place when we're walking through a trial. And the first one is this. The first question we must ask ourselves is, do I feel forsaken? It is very easy when we are walking through a trial and we are walking through something difficult to feel like God has abandoned us, like God does not care about us, that if God were so good, then why would he have allowed this to happen? We kind of talked about that a little bit last week. Imagine what was going through the heads of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I was there, I probably would have had this thought cross my mind of, really, God? I did what you told me to do, and now I'm getting thrown into a furnace? Are you kidding me? But that wasn't their attitude at all, was it? What was their attitude? He said in verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods. In other words, they knew that God, whether God moved in the way they wanted him to or whether he did not, they knew that God had their back. You see, trials... Do not mean forsakenness. Trials do not mean forsakenness. It does not mean that God left you. In fact, it probably means that Jesus is walking closer to you now than he ever has before. But it requires us to be able to keep our eyes fixed on him and see him for and see him to be truly where he is at. See, the devil is such a deceiver, and he will take a trial and he will try to. You see, guys, bad things happen. Trials happen because we live in a sinful, fallen world. We have to understand that. And the devil constantly tries to get the one-two punch on us. And he says, oh, I, I, I got you. I got a trial that you're walking through. And now I'm going to throw this punch and say, oh, see? See, you can't turn to God. Obviously, he's not here. And he tries to convince us of that. 
But I believe that the freedom that you are looking for, the freedom that you are searching for, will come through realizing the truth that there is a fourth man in the fire with you. There is a fourth man in the fire with you. He is not looking at you from afar. He is not staring at you and being like, hmm, I wonder how he's going to handle this. Hmm. No, no, no. He is in the fire with you. And there's arguments about who that, who that fourth man is. Some people say he's an angel. Some people say it's Jesus. Some people, it doesn't really matter. What matters is God showed up, right? And he was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not left. They were not forsaken. God did not look from afar and say, oh, let's see how they handle this one. How many people have ever heard this phrase been said? God, God never gives you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that? It's bogus. It's wrong. Okay, I'll tell you why. It's because God didn't give you the trial. He didn't give you the trial. But he's walking in the trial with you. The devil is who gave you the trial. The fallen world, the sinful world, the fact that we live in a world that is not perfect and someday we will get to, when we go to heaven, to be with Jesus for eternity. Someday we will be able to walk in perfection. But no, 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 it is not, God did not give you something, but he is walking through you with it. And he has promised you that he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And some people say, well, Steve, I just don't feel God. If God was truly with me, I just don't feel him. Well, since when has Christianity been watered down to a feeling? Serving Jesus is not about what you feel. When someone dies, I guarantee you're not going to feel happy. When someone that you love gets cancer, I guarantee you're not going to feel happy. When someone rejects and betrays you, you're not going to feel happy. But what I know is that Jesus is right alongside of you, ready to give your heart peace and joy. Because those things are available to us regardless of circumstance. This is not about environment or what you feel. It's about who is in your heart. And the promises that come from the fact that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and the God of the universe is living inside of us. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Everyone say more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a promise. And that is a promise that we can stand on. And if you have felt forsaken by God, I want you to know that you are not forsaken. In fact, the devil has just convinced you. He's put blinders on your eyes so that you cannot see that the fourth man is standing right next to you and before you and behind you and above you in the fire. And I ask you and I beg you that if you're walking through a trial and you think God has forsaken you, take the blinders off tonight. Take the blinders off tonight. The second question we must ask ourselves when we're walking through a trial is where is my focus? So once we know that God is with us, then we need to know that we are focusing on him, right? Where is my focus? This is very important. Are we focused on what God can do? Or are we focused on what we perceive him not to be doing? 
Are we focused on what God can do, or are we focusing on what we are perceiving him not to be doing? His ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. Sometimes his plan and his way of helping is going to be far different than what we expect, but it is always there and it is always available. And we just need to focus on him. So the only way these three men were able to look past the flames was by staying focused on the fourth man in the fire, by staying focused on the Father. The only way, they knew the law. It wasn't like Nebuchadnezzar came up with this thing on the spot. He's like, yeah, bow down to me and we'll figure out a punishment later. No, they knew that if they did not bow down, the king was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. That was the decree, that was the law of the land. But yet they did it anyways. Why? Because they were focused more on God than they were focused on a decree that was going to make them do something that was defiant to God's law. See, what we focus on is what grows in our life, right? What we focus on is what becomes the biggest thing. It becomes what we are fixed on, and it gets bigger than anything else around us. See, if we focus on the problem, the problem becomes much bigger in our minds than Jesus is. But we know that not to be true. When we focus on Christ, we realize that his infinite love, his infinite power, his infinite peace is far bigger than anything that we could ever face here on earth. So it's not about having the strength to overcome. It's not about the willpower. It's about just figuring out where is my focus. You see, the reason these guys did not burn in the fire was because they did not bow. They did not bow to an idol. They did not bow to something that was defiant of God. So here's what I want to tell you, is that if you are walking through a trial, you might be here tonight, you're like, Steve, I'm walking through a trial, and I feel like I'm burning. I feel like I'm not completely consumed, but my clothes are singed. <laughs> my, my eyebrows are gone, just like Nebuchadnezzar, man. This, is, this has been rough. I'm not making it, Steve. This isn't easy. Well, then, I would challenge you to think of it this way. I believe that if, if we are starting to burn in a trial, it means that we have bowed to something other than God. If we are starting to burn in a trial, it means that we are bowing to something other than God. I don't know what that is that we are bowing to. But if we're bowing to anxiety, it means we need to focus on peace. If we're bowing to sorrow, it needs, means that we need to focus on the joy that comes through Jesus. If we're bowing to pain, it means that we need to focus on Jesus, the healer. If we're bowing to mourning, it means we need to trust the promise that God turns our mourning into dancing. If we feel like we're wandering through life without direction, it means that we need to focus on the wisdom that comes through following Christ. If we're bowing to weakness, we need to turn to strength. If we're bowing to worry, we need to turn to hope. If we're bowing to shame, we need to turn to forgiveness. If we're bowing to guilt, we need to turn to freedom. If we're bowing to failure, we need to turn to the victory we have through Jesus. If we're bowing to, to tiredness, we need to focus on the rest that comes through Christ. If we're bowing to, to, to being lost, we need to focus on our shepherd who always calls us back. If we're bowing to loneliness, we need to focus on his love and his companionship. And if we're bowing to this feeling that we are unworthy of God, 
And we need to focus on Jesus, our justifier, sanctifier, and our Savior. You see how everything changes when we change our focus in a trial? And this is where we get to practice dwelling on one or the other. Because I guarantee that if you're walking through a trial, you can wake up one morning and be like, yeah, I'm going to dwell on all those good things that Steve told me about. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you wake up Saturday morning and you're right back to focusing on the problem again. And so what do you do? You can turn back to the promises and dwell on the promises of God. Many of you, I shared this a couple weeks ago that my dad is walking through cancer right now. And this has been one of the only things that has, has allowed me to continue to do what I've been doing, allowed me to continue, to continue moving forward in my relationship with the Lord, is knowing that every single time pain comes up, anxiety comes up, sorrow comes up, every single time I regret Man, the, the times that I could have spent more time with my dad, and now I live in Alaska, and I'm three and a half thousand miles away. And I turn to Jesus, and I say, I, I know that I can live regret-free because of who you, who you are and who I am in you. And the times that I'm worried about the doctor's prognosis, that my dad only has a 30% chance of making it through this procedure, I turn to Jesus, and I say, I know that you're going to give me peace, and I know that you're going to allow me to cast all my anxiety on you. And tomorrow, the same thoughts are going to come back in my mind. And I'm going to have to do the same thing again. And on Saturday, the same thoughts are going to come back into my mind. And I'm going to have to do the same thing again. And so what I'm not telling you to do, see, this is the problem, right? Is when we're walking through a trial, if the devil can't consume us in the pain, he'll get us to shove it away. And that's not what I'm telling you to do tonight. Do you see how going to Jesus allows us to process grief? Do you see how going to Jesus allows us to process pain and process sorrow and process anxiety? He doesn't just say, hey, sweep it under the rug. Sweep it under the rug. Come on. Come follow me. Sweep it under the rug. No, he says, listen, every time that comes up, come talk to me about it. And I'm going to remind you of a promise. And we're going to walk through this together. And so I'm not, this is not a pep talk for you to just toughen up. This is not a pep talk for you to just grit your teeth and bear this thing. This is me telling you that if we dwell on the promises of God in times of trial, pretty soon Jesus looks much bigger than the issue at hand. The third and final thing that we need to ask ourselves in time of trial is am I displaying God's power? Am I displaying God's power? Look at what happened because three dudes decided to trust the promises of God and stay focused on Him. The leader of the most powerful country in the world at this time had a total and complete change of heart. Because the power of God was on display when someone walked through the fire and the miracle of God exhibited itself through these people's lives. And there was a decree that was made and the country was changed. Isn't that cool? You see, what I know about God is God doesn't 
God doesn't create the trial, but I know that my God is so good and so powerful and so incredible that, that he wastes nothing. If we let him waste nothing. He will be glorified in your life and through your life. He will be glorified in your trial and through your trial if you let him. But we have to let him. If God has a way to glorify himself through the junk that you're walking through. I tell this to people all the time. You know what? This is going to suck. They come to me and they say, Steve, I just found out that that this family member was sick or that my sister died or that this happened or whatever. I say, you know what? I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. This is going to be hard. But I guarantee that if you run to Jesus with everything that you have and you lean on him, you are going to be a completely different person after you walk out of this fire. And that the people around you, when they watch you lean on Jesus, they're going to start to see that there is something completely different, about that there is something tangible and real about the gospel. And they are going to start to ask questions about what is going on. How can you have this peace? How, can, how are you dealing with this? And then in that moment, that is when you give an answer for the hope and the peace that you have through Jesus Christ. You see, when we get heated up, when we walk through a fire, does anybody like work with metal in here? Anybody, uh, okay, how many people have ever stuck something in a fire until it's red hot? Anybody? All right, more of us, good. Uh, so, right, when we stick something in a fire and it gets red hot, what happens to the, what happens to the material? It becomes malleable, right? It becomes soft, which is what blacksmiths do. And then they take a hammer. If they wanted to shape metal to something, they take a hammer and they put that piece of steel or iron on an anvil and they beat that piece of iron on an anvil and they shape it in the way that they want to shape it. So my question for you tonight is who has the hammer in your life? You're heated up, you've walked through the fire, and your life is malleable. It is soft, it is vulnerable, it is ready to be changed. We make the choice whether we hand the we hand we either hand the hammer to the devil or we hand the hammer to God. And we say, God, shape my heart and make me more like you. Allow me to see you for who you really are. Allow me to see your promises for what they actually are, and that is truth. And if we don't hand the hammer to the to the to our God, the devil's definitely gonna take the chance and he's gonna take the opportunity to strike it when strike us when we are hurting. He's going to do it. Why? Because he's crafty. Not like Pinterest crafty. I'm not talking about that, okay? <laughs> Some of you were thinking about that. So let's change gears here for just a little bit. What about the avoidable stuff? What about the avoidable stuff in our lives? What about the things in our lives that God has called us to, that you're sitting in this room and you know God has called you to do something. He's called you to, to, to share the love of Jesus with a coworker or a friend or a roommate or a classmate. He knows, you know that he's called you to do something, and you've been avoiding the call of God because you know it's going to be hard. I hope, I hope that when people look at my life, there are things that have happened, that there are things that have, have been, the Holy Spirit has done through me that, People are able to stand back and say, look at what the Lord has done. Right? And the only way that that happens 
is if we are letting God take us to places that are a little bit hot. Or we sweat it out a little bit. When's the last time that you have brought, that you have allowed God to take you to a place, that you have been obedient enough to God that he's brought you to a place that you're like, whew, this is going to be hard. This is not going to be easy. And God, unless you speak to me or unless you speak through me, this is going to go really, really poorly. Right? Because it is in those moments that God moves in miraculous ways. We will never achieve what God has called us to achieve unless we are willing to walk through a trial once in a while. We need to be willing to walk through something challenging. I believe that if you are looking for the most adventurous life, if you are looking for to get the most out of your life, I believe that true life is lived in the furnace. True life is lived in the furnace. And I'm not talking about the furnace of like, I'm not saying, oh, walk around and say, woe is me all the time, right? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that true adventure is lived when we are walking through things that are difficult and unless God shows up, we're going to crash and burn. Unless God shows up, this isn't going to work. And so my challenge for you today is no matter how big or how small of a something God calls you to, and don't be scared. I don't think God is going to like tell you to do anything that is like, oh my gosh, so crazy that I can't even, right? I don't, I, he might tonight, great. But I believe that a lot of times God starts with giving us little things. And he says, hey, little nudge. Hey, why don't you go talk to that person? Why don't you just go sit next to that person? Why don't you just go, you know, that person needs prayer today. Why don't you just go pray for that person? Get off your seat. Go walk across the student union. Go pray for that person. Ask that person, hey, I'm so-and-so. just want you to know that God loves you. Is there anything I could be praying for you today? Right? That's not so hard. But man, it makes us sweat, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to close with a story, and the worship team can come back up. I, uh, Aaron, my wife, Aaron, I don't know if she's here yet or not. Oh, there she is. She does exist, everybody. There she is. Hi, Aaron. All right. Uh, there's a funny story I have to tell you about this whole situation after Chi Alpha, babe. All right. Uh, <laughs> might need to rough Reese up a little bit, just to let you know. I, wa- I wanted to close with this story because I think that, uh, uh, I think it's good. Sometimes when, when we hear uh, stories about really cool things that God has done, and people give this, like, testimony of cool things God has done. We always just, like, see, like, this sugar-coated good version of the story. Like, God t- called me to go here, so I went there, and a bunch of people got saved. And we never tell the parts of the story that stink, you know? Like, the battleground that we had to fight through, the, the lies that we had to fight past, and all these things that needed to happen in order to get us there. My wife and I uh, moved to Alaska the summer of 2014, and at the time, uh, we were really excited. We had gotten a job with a nonprofit organization here in Alaska, and that was what was going to pay the bills, and it allowed me to live in Anchorage and start Chi Alpha. And so we started Chi Alpha two years ago, and, uh, and we just started meeting. There was, there was uh, 11 of us that first night that met in our house for a Bible study. 
And things started to grow, and things started to go really, really well. And before we knew it, there's lots of people coming to Chi Alpha. And at the end of the year, we had like 60 people come into Chi Alpha. We're like, wow, this is so incredible. But at the end of the year, we found out that the funding that was paying my salary through the nonprofit was not going to get renewed. So I had just moved my wife, who had been married to me for less than a year, to Alaska, three and a half thousand miles away from her family, promising that we are going to be on the adventure of a lifetime. Here we go, right? And all of a sudden, and, all of a, and then God grows this ministry, and we fall in love with these students. Like, they became precious to us. Many of you are sitting in this room today. And all of a sudden, the, the carpet gets pulled out from underneath us. And I don't have a way to support my wife, support my family, and, and pay my mortgage. Nothing, right? So I have a choice to make. I could go home, back to Minnesota. And I could say, you know what? We gave that a, the old college try, right? We did good. Lives were touched. We had a great year. I guess it just didn't work out. But as we prayed, God started to continually remind me of the students that we had in Chi Alpha. And he said, Steve, I gave you a love for these students. I gave you a passion for these students for a reason. And I do not want you to leave them or forsake them. I want you to stay here. And said, God, that's going to be kind of difficult. I have no way to pay the bills. And, and he said, Steve, you need to trust me. I said, God, it is, it is May, and, and, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do, right? He said, Steve, I want you to become a missionary, and I want you to raise support to be a Chi Alpha missionary. And I said, God, that sounds like a great idea, but the problem is school starts in three months again. <laughs> and normally it takes like a year to raise a full budget. I don't think so, God, but it constantly start reminding me of his promises. And, and, and Aaron and I would wake up in the morning, and Aaron, every single morning, Aaron would remind me, my dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That says it in the word. Her dad's actually not a cattle rancher. Uh, but it's a promise in the word of God that says, God, God it has you covered, man. He's got the resources that you need. And so that summer, we went and support raised. And I will tell you this, that it wasn't perfect, but God miraculously provided for us in a span of time that should have never, ever happened that way. And because of, because of a promise, leaning on a promise, was those times easy? Absolutely not. No, I argued with God. I, 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 there was times when I was confused, and I went to God uh, in, in, in frustration. I went to God, and I was, I was upset. I went to God, and I was like, this isn't fair, all of those things. But guys, what is so cool is that when we allow ourselves to be put into a trial, when we allow ourselves to walk through a fire, miraculous things happen. And now, a year and a half later from that day, from that day that we found out, we are sitting in a room with 180 college students worshiping Jesus together. I'm not telling that story to say, ooh, look at Steve, he's great, he was faithful. No, I'm telling that story because my God is faithful. I'm telling that story because when we walk through fires, Jesus is always alongside of us. The fourth man is always right there. And we need to believe that. And no matter how big the trial looks, if we stay focused on him, we will realize that his promises are always bigger. And if we realize that he is always there, that he will never leave us and forsake us, 
eventually we will be able to display God's power through that trial to those around us.